Prayer's never easy, though. I, I would say that, and I've subscribed to prayer for a long time. Sometimes prayer is easy. Sometimes prayer is not so hard. Sometimes it's extremely difficult. But what I find is, is that when people are in a situation that is dire, that is hard, that is difficult, that they have no other person whom to look to, they have no other way to get an answer but to look to God, they go to praying. It's amazing how many times God brings situations into our life that are so hard that they break us, they bend us, they push us down. And then time after time in my own life, and as I talk to other people, they'll tell me, isn't it a shame, Pastor, that I had to go through my cancer diagnosis? I had to go through losing my job. I had to go through the experience, experience with my prodigal son or daughter for God to get my attention and to pray and to get serious about it. You see, if you read this passage here that I just read to you, if you go back to chapter 17 in Luke, preceding 18 he talks about the second coming and this scripture is between the first coming and the second coming we find it in that period that we find ourselves this morning that christ will come again do you believe jesus will come again he will and, and i've preached on that about the second coming of christ as we walk through thessalonians but as we look at this some people don't see prayer as a privilege they see prayer as a duty as a responsibility and when you are committed or when you think knowing God or prayer is a duty, let me just be honest, you're not going to do very much of it. You're certainly probably not going to be very passionate about it. But when you see it as the privilege on this side of heaven that we talk to our heavenly Abba and we gain access to him through Jesus Christ, then you go to praying. In this church, we've had seasons of great fervent intercession. We've had seasons where we were slack on our intercession. I'll let you determine where it is. But what I'm praying in these few weeks on this powerful prayer series, that God will take some people, our church, and he'll get us to praying like we've never prayed before, individually and collectively, that Christ gets honored. Now look right here. I put two boxes. Pick up your worship, God. I want to see if you got them. Just wave them at me. Wave. You know when you get somebody on Facebook, you go, wave at me? That's like the dumbest thing. Well, I wanted to, I, wave at them again. I just want to see you waving. You look hilarious. Okay, all right, here we go. Now, I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking judge, and I was thinking woman. And, and that's what I put in my notes. But as I, as I got ready to really review and go, I went, judge and woman? Come on, Keith. It's judge and it's widow. So mark out the word women, woman and put the, a word above that, widow. Now, we have several widows in our church. And I can tell you this, I pray for them every single day by name. It is my honor as their pastor to pray for them. There are people in this body that check up on them and call them and pray over them and shepherd them, and I'm so thankful for them. And others go, well, I can't wait. Like one of them, Eric, held up our oldest member, Zelda. She's one of our widows at the church. And God has a lot to say about widows. And here is this judge and widow. But I'm going to walk in and out of this story where when you leave here today, I want you to know it. But then I want God, give us application. So let's look at the judge. You can put a few notes in the box if you want to. The judge was wicked and didn't fear God. He was so into himself. He was a selfish person. Secondly, he didn't respect man, and he certainly didn't respect a woman. He just, 
in that culture, women were degraded. It's sick, if you really think about it. Not if you think about it. It is sick. It was just wrong. But they didn't fear God, didn't respect man or woman. The judge was unrighteous, not godly at all, was just so into his own motives and his own self. And the fourth thing I'd say is the man, the judge, he didn't care about the widow. It's obvious. Now, she annoyed him, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. And then, it, and then he was unwilling, a fifth point is, the judge was unwilling to help this widow, at least at first, but she kept coming, and we'll see what, he, what she did to him. She just wore him out. But his motive for helping was always selfishness. That's just what this judge did. That's what they did that day. They, he, this woman kept coming, kept, she kept bothering him, and she would keep saying, give me justice, give me justice, and give me justice, and he would have nothing to do with it. But what I learned is I studied about judges. In this day, judgeships were sold to the highest bidder. And then as they paid for this judgeship, and it wasn't like we went to the civil easy for you to say, it wasn't like it was the municipality. I knew what the word was. It wasn't like you went down to that administrative court building. They had tents that would move around the area. And the tents would many times set up around the gates because the gates indicated the entrance into the city. And then to get uh, a case heard, to get your case adjudicated to become before the judge, many times you had to pay an assistant to the judge a bribe because the judge wanted to get back on his money that he paid to be a judge. In other words, the judges were wicked. Just say, the judges were wicked. Aren't you glad we don't have a system like that today? <laughs> I know. It's kind of up for debate, isn't it? Ethically, legally, you aren't supposed to be able to buy a judgeship. And you aren't supposed to bribe. And I know what the, the news story will be tomorrow. Some judge bribed his way into getting there. Okay, all right. So here you go. So this judge would go, and uh, he, he would get his thing, and he, he would set up, and he would rule over the people. And he, he, wanted to, he wanted to be paid back. I just want you to write down a scripture, Acts chapter 24, verse 26, where Felix left Paul in prison for two years. He was hoping that he would get some money back. See, and, and this was just the common um, deal of the day. The people just, they, they wanted their money. They wanted to be paid back. But the widow, let's look in that next box. I want you to put some things about the widow. This is a woman in the story that she's quite literally unprotected. She's not cared for. Now, as I said earlier, she, she's a woman, so she's got like a second-rate status in those days in the Middle East. It, it, it was just sad. And she had become homeless, lonely, destitute I, I don't know if her husband's died uh, you know if she, well he has she, she's a widow she's definitely died but there's 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 people that are, are trying to con they're trying to take advantage of her and and, and it, it might have been that if you had a man the man would go to court and the man would be the representative like if she had a, a son or a son-in-law or a male cousin somebody would have gone but for whatever reason, this woman had none of those, and this widow would go and plead her case. You know what I learned about this widow? Just put it in a box. She was vocal. Do you know any vocal women? No, no, don't call their name out loud. But she was vocal. This woman was tough because she was in this male-dominated society that nobody gave her the time of day, but she just kept coming and she did her thing. But here's some points I want you to write down. She had an adversary. 
And her adversary was the judge. He was not on her side. He was not for her. This widow, she couldn't solve her own problem. I don't know if she'd been ripped off in an inheritance and she was standing up for her rights and for what she wanted, but she knew the cards were stacked against her. Third, and this is what I call the whole thing, the persistent widow. This widow was persistent. She had a genuine need, and ultimately the widow, you can just write in that box, she got what she wanted. Now, do you know any women that get what they want? Nobody's laughing this time. Okay. Persistence. Does persistence pay off, church? I mean, when you were going to school, you're going to school currently, you were going to school in the past, didn't you have to persist in a discipline to finish the program? You persist in this to graduate. You persist in this to make the ball team. You persist to do whatever. You persist. And God wants to talk to us today about persisting and hanging and not giving up. And, and this woman, just like widows, she was overlooked, underutilized, abused, frowned upon, put out no real legal claim if you know the story of Ruth, you see there uh, with Boaz when married Ruth, and he became her kinsman redeemer is the word. Ruth, I will become your protector. And remember in the field when she was gleaning, and he, he said, leave that area alone. That's for the widows. That's, that's, for, that's for her. You let her go and, and collect and get a basket full. He, he was good to her. In the Old and New Testament, you see that God talks about the widows in the book of James. He talks about orphans and he talks about widows, not to neglect, not to forget them. God has always been consistent in his position about widows, but yet in this place, this bribed, wicked judge is there. But the woman, what I love about her, this widow, she's determined. Just right out there beside the widow, just write the word determined. I love that. She was a determined woman. Haven't you found in your life that you accomplish a lot more great things when you're determined? You just dig in. You gut it out. You give it everything you've got because you're determined to finish. And here, she's determined to, to go, and she keeps going continually, and she gives him a black eye, and we'll talk about that. Not literally, but that's what he, he probably felt like she had a black eye. But this woman, she stands, and she goes, and the widow keeps going, keeps going, it's like, uh, okay, I'll tell this uh, illustration because I understand it. And I know, and forgive me, women, if you don't, but some of you women like it better than I do football. Uh, when you have a quarterback on a football team and the defensive uh, team, the defensive back, continues to blitz every single play, the defensive back or the linebacker or whatever, he becomes a major headache to the quarterback, doesn't he? He just keeps on. He's determined. He, just, he keeps fighting with tenacity and steadfastness. And this judge that we read about in Scripture, as we read earlier, he's able to hold out. I mean, he, he's learned, he's trained, he's, he's the judge. Not a good judge, but he's a judge. And he's, I mean, the judges, they, they knew, many of them knew Scripture. They would uh, twist them to fit their predicament, what they thought was good for them. But this one, she's persistent, she keeps going, and she doesn't lose heart. That's what I love about her. And, and yet, I just want to get a margin. I think about us. When we pray for justice sometimes, and I hope you do pray for justice in, in your world, in your community, in our nation, in our world, a lot of times it goes like there's silence in heaven. It's like God's not hearing or he's not answering as we would like for him to, to deliver people from horrible situations. But people continue to pray, and God basically tells us over and over in here, Hang in there. Because this widow, what she tells me, 
from her life is she's going to wear out even this wicked judge. She's going to keep going to him, and she's going to keep giving her very best, and she's not going to lose heart. And, and you know what I love? that this is, this is a wicked judge. I don't like that. But we have a holy judge, and his name is Father, is God. And he is for us and not against us. Does that thrill you? God believes in you. God has your best interest at stake and at heart. And he is for you. He is your advocate in heaven. Jesus is our advocate, the, the great high priest. But this power of persistency goes on and on. And so the parable here is to encourage Christians, encourage us as a family of faith to persevere, to endure, to keep going and not give up. I have a song on my iPod that I listen to at least once and sometimes two or three times a week. We've got thousands of songs on there, but there's this one song by Hillsong, and it's an older one by Darlene, and here's the title of the song, Never Give Up. And it has a beat that some mornings when I get out and I first start walking, I feel like I'm 97 years old. Man, I ache, and and I'm just, and I'm out there gritting my teeth, and I'm sweating. Or last week, this is what happened in Montgomery. I got out, and I was layered up. The next day, I was layered up, heavy coat, and toboggan. And by the end of the week, I was in shorts and T-shirt. So, you know, the body's going through all this, and you're just out there grinding like, oh, oh, I don't want to do it. So what I do, God has said, I got you a song. And I go, it's, it's number six on my playlist. And, and I've had to play it more than once in a walk sometimes. And I put it on, and, and she starts singing, never give up. And I feel my, and I can tell, man, my cadence, my legs start picking up. And I walk faster. Man, you're saying you're a fool. Huh? You don't exercise, do you? Hey, early morning, hey, body gets older, man. You don't want to do it. You can't give up. Got to finish the course. My neighbors already think I'm weird. It was, we had a hurricane several weeks ago. And, and Donna knows I'm religious about that. And I get up and I put on my gear and I go out walking. I came home. I said, I saw nobody out there today. And Donna just looked at me. There's a reason nobody else was out there. They're not fools. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, let's fill in the blank. Y'all come join me some morning. We'll have a ball. Okay, number one. We should always pray and not give up. That's what I want you to write in there. Not give up. We pray. We pray. Not some lazy, dazzical, half-hearted attempt to talk to the Father. But we just are fervent. We, we dump our prayers. The Apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing. Look at uh, Ephesians 6.18. Ephesians says, pray in the Spirit with all occasions, on all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, then be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. But stay at it and keep praying. Then look at the next verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. And I love this. He says, Paul says, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But look at it. Circle the word. Pray or write it in your notes. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Pray over and over and over. Don't give up. And right now, there's somebody today came in here, and you want to give up. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of Christ, don't give in. Don't give up. Man, there's too much at stake. God wants us to fellowship with Him. Do not lose heart. You've been praying for a friend, and your friend's not changing. 
Your family member's not saved. Your condition's not changed. You're still sick. You're still discouraged. You're still despondent. You're still uh, addicted. You're still something. Don't give up. The church said, you got to hang in there, church. I'm preaching to myself. That's why I'm passionate about this. Because sometimes I just want to throw the towel in. See, I was a wrestler in junior high school. What are you laughing about? I was. And, man, I learned all those moves, and I could do it, and we'd get down there. And every once in a while, there'd be some boy that'd get on me, and I'd want to go. Well, I won't tell you what I said, but I'd say, get off me. And they had this thing, throw the towel in. But, man, when you're in competition, you don't want to throw the towel in. You can't give up because you're a fighter. How many of you like football teams that just give up go to the house? Pitiful. I almost named the school, but I won't do that. Okay, that, that would not be appropriate in the house of God, okay? All right, so number verse 1, always pray, not give up. Look at verse 2. Here's this coldness of this wicked judge that I told you about. He's just cold-hearted. He's caustic. He doesn't care. He's one in authority. He, uh, he just hears the cases that he wants to hear. Kind of like the Supreme Court today. The Supreme Court only hears the approved cases. I know it's the highest court, but in this particular case, he's just hearing the courts where I guess people have paid him. And, and, uh, but, he, but he knew what he should do. And he knew there at the gates inside that tent that he would do his business and he'd make some money and he might make people miserable. But he didn't really care because he was really about himself. And um, I think it's going to come up, 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verses 6 and 7. Look on the screen. He told them, Consider carefully what you do, because you're not judging for mere mortals, but for the Lord who is with you wherever and whenever he gives a verdict. Now let the fear of the Lord be on you. Judge carefully. This is what the Lord's telling us. For with the Lord our God there is no injustice or partiality or... I don't think the judge remembered this scripture, do you? See, God has already drawn out a position for them. That, see, God set up judges because they asked for judges and they got judges and some were good and some were horrible and they asked for a king because you don't really want a king but we want a king so god gave him a king and they said god we don't want a king you know have you ever asked that hey god i won't i won't god i don't want this god could i have this car and then you get it like god i didn't really want that car you know and and don't say that about any relationship you're in okay because that would that's just not smart okay so here it is but the judges they were robbers they robbed the people of their dignity. They robbed them of their worth. They perverted justice. This judge that we read about, he had no shame. You know something I'm learning about this generation? We've seen that we've pushed away. You, you remember maybe your mama or your grandma would say, shame on you, and you felt horrible, and you sucked it in, and you were embarrassed, and you were humiliated, and you retreated to the corner and you wanted to make it right because you wanted to make them happy? I don't think we say that much anymore. Now people say shame on you. They go, whatever. But man, that was a big thing of honor. I remember coming up, man, you don't want anybody to say shame on you. I mean, it just, you know, it, it just, because uh, when your mama or your granddaddy or somebody that you respected said shame on you, they were appealing to honor inside of you that you cared enough that you didn't want to bring shame to yourself or to your family. Amen? And I think the church of the living Christ has lost some of that today, that we bring shame and reproach sometimes to the name of Jesus, and we need to get some of this back. So here's, here's this cold judge, and he's partial, and he's, uh, he just, he, he's just selfish in, in, in the biggest way. But look at the third one, verse 3. There's the, the cry 
of this widow that we've been talking about. Man, she cries out to the Lord. Give me protection, for I'm alone, and I'm destitute, and I've been robbed. Give me justice. I have no man to plead my case, but I will plead my case myself. And, and Luke, Luke talks more than any other gospel of the widows. Just do a study on that yourself sometime. In Exodus 22, 22 through 23, I want you to see this. Our, our main text today, we're looking at Luke 18, and then we're building these verses around this. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, they cry out to me, and I will certainly hear their cry. Did you know that God has promised from heaven that he hears the cries of the widows? So as Christians, is the church, we better make sure that we don't neglect the orphans and the widows and that we don't look out for them because they're dear to the heart of the Father. So God in Old and New Testament, and he talks about how many times the widows are persecuted, they're pushed aside, they're taken advantage of. And he says, I, I want to care for them. This woman cries out to me. Verses 4 and 5. Grant me justice is what she says. I don't know if you've ever, I, I pray this prayer, Lord, have mercy in this situation have mercy on me but here give me justice right there in the red I, I just typed out a greek word for you and it's hupi adzo hupi adzo and basically what it means is it means to be weary and this judge is so weary it's like if, if you state in the greek it means to make blue it means to wear out it means to cause bruises to one's body and this woman because of her continual coming and coming and coming to this wicked judge she exhausted him you know what i think our kids know something about this principle when a kid wants something especially a teenager they will wear you out and, and, and you know what? And here's what I know about teenagers, because I was one. You find out, if you're honest, that there's one parent that's a little bit weaker than the other parent. And you appeal to them more than you do the other, and all of you went, uh-huh. I wish this place was filled up with teenagers like it is on Wednesday night. Because some of them would be like, oh, man, what are you talking about? Like, man, I'm, I'm good at that. I could come up and tell you that illustration. My mom is not here, so I'm going to do it. My mama's the weak one. My dad is. I don't know. But here, they, they dot the eye. They, they wear it out. This woman, though, she just keeps coming out. Grant me justice. Grant me justice. But the, the scripture says, hey, be on watch. Pray. Be fervent. Go for it. Powerless here were these women in the Middle East. Powerless was this widow. But she kept going because she's like, vindicate me. Set me free. Meet my request. Grant me justice because I'm going to keep coming. And I'm going to keep coming. And he's not a pure, righteous, holy judge as he should have been. And he finally gives in and he grants her what she wants. And how much more does our Father in heaven grant us good gifts that we need? See, our prayers don't wear God out. Our prayers prepare our heart for what he might be doing as we rest and trust in him. You know, God's chosen us. This, this verse here in a minute talks about being chosen. We're chosen as children of God. We're chosen by the blood of Christ. We're chosen to have privileges and honors. And part of that is intercession and is a meaningful prayer life. And God hears us and he receives us. And we're able to go into his presence and we're able to make a declaration of our need. Here's the application today, friend. 
everybody in this room has something that they are in need of. And I just ask you, how many hours, how much time are you spending in making your declaration known to the Father? See, a lot of times we'll make our declaration known to everybody around us. And we'll call everybody around us. And there's probably a place for some of that. There is. But ultimately, our Father in heaven is the one that moves mountains and parts the seas. And our God is the one that he wants us to cry out to. So one of the things I've been doing, I've, I've been crying out to God for our church and from the financial state of our church. And I continue to cry out. I'm, I'm persistent and I'm desperate in this. And I'm filling up journals with notes crying out to God. And I believe that God is going to hear that. He's going to prepare my heart and he's going to do something. How many of you believe that, church? You just got to keep on. And you've got a situation right now. And you're crying out and you're believing and you're believing. Your prayers are not going to strong arm or manipulate God. But they will change you. That's what I learned about the big value of prayers, that God changes me and you because uh, God is compassionate and he's personal and he pays attention and he, he loves his kids. He's there for us. He's, we sing a song around here that he's a good, good... Do we believe that? Oh, that's a great song. Chris Tomlin, thank you for making it popular. I just saw the Seegers back here. I did their wedding 10 years ago. They're flying through here. They, they actually drove over here. They're here today. They're going down to Ozark to Chris Tomlin. They'll come back. And I bet he says, sings it tonight. What do you think? Hey, when he sings it, just, hey, Pastor Keith said hello. He won't care. Anyway, all right, here we go. Hey, but we're, you know what I love about this? We're not strangers to the heavenly throne of heaven if we're in Christ. Now, this widow, she didn't have a relationship, I don't think, with this judge. He was just ruling, doing his thing. But if you're in Christ this morning, your father knows you. And he is so committed to you and conforming you and changing you. And it might be that God's delaying the answers. And I don't know why. I don't, I don't have all the answers of the why. We've talked about from the book of Habakkuk. But I do know that when we cry out to God, sometimes it seems as if heaven is silent. You could be there this morning that you have made a petition for a number of years now or for a long season in your life and you just are like, God, are you like this judge? Are you unjust? And he is not. He is just and perfect and holy and pleasing. When you get a full theology of Scripture of who God is, you know that he loves us and he has a plan for us and he knows what's best for us. And sometimes those are not the things that we're praying. Sometimes we pray shallow prayers. I, I've got my share of praying shallow prayers, and I bet you do too, or you've prayed some of those. But this widow, she has literally no stand before the judge. But you and me, if we're born again, if we're in Jesus Christ, we're positioned in the Savior, we have right access, right position with the Father of heaven, and it makes a difference. Do you believe that, church? And, and, and I just wrote right here in my notes, what a Savior, but I write here, prayerless, prayerlessness leads to faithfulness and to hopelessness. If you're prayerlessness and you pray less or you pray at nothing at all, then you can bet, man, your faith is not growing. Your faith is just diminishing and going south ever so quickly. And you're going to find, your person to, you're going to find yourself to be a person of hopelessness. But yet, it could be that this morning, you don't want to give up. You want to fight a little longer. You want to get back in the fight. You want God to do something. You pray with persistence. You don't lose. You believe God. You know that 
the answer is maybe just around the corner. Maybe God's about ready to bring that to pass in your life. But persistence is the great instructor in the Christian growth. Persistence is that instructor of the soul, of the Holy Spirit that he drives us to God's heart. Persistence, you can write this down, it's free. Persistence purifies our hearts. You see, when you pray something over and over, you just want to make sure that it's clean and right and noble and it's in the will of God. It forces me and you, when we persist, to confront how helpless I am without God. See, I think sometimes our downfall as Westerners is we have so much that we can do it without God that we sometimes we do it without God. <laughs> and yet we find ourselves up against the wall Man, you won't believe how many phone calls I get when people get in trouble. <laughs> pastor, pastor. I, uh, 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 huh? And like, and, and I remember years ago when people started calling me all the time at night, I was doing all this marriage counseling, and I was going nuts. And people called me at 11 o'clock at night. Pastor, I need to talk to you. My marriage, my marriage. I'm like, okay, well, tell me about your marriage. Man, my marriage is horrible. My, we're falling about. Could we meet? Could we meet? And in early years of the pastorate here, man, I'd, I'd run, meet you, and, we'd, and, and then finally I started asking a simple question. I'd go, I got a question. How long y'all been in trouble? Oh, about six years. Uh-huh. And what made it happen? But tonight, we just thought we wanted to deal with it right now. And I, I, I remember when I told a person, I meant this, I said, I tell you what, I'm exhausted right now. It's been a 15-hour day. And you're out of your mind, obviously. So let's meet in the morning at 8 o'clock. I will be fresh, and you will be fresh, and we'll seek the Lord together. And people start going, he's, he's for real. I mean, if it, if it was horrible, I mean, like, if, you know, well, I won't tell you what it is, but I, I would be there. But just because you just decided you ate cabbage or you were having a bad day, you know, 1130 is just, you, you need to be sleeping at 1130, the church said. Yeah, all right, all right, purify your motives, confront, confront hopeless, helplessness. Uh, it makes me ready to receive God's answer. It humbles me. Many prayers uh, we pray, though, you know, maybe, maybe they shouldn't be answered. Maybe, maybe they're just shallow. Maybe they're prayers that honor me and they don't honor God. Maybe they're prayers that there's no eternal motive in them. I, why hold fast to that? But then there are all those prayers that move heaven and earth. There's those prayers that make a difference. There's those prayers that we stand in the gap for. There are people that are praying right now for this service. There are people that are praying for you, that have been praying for a long time. I've often wondered who prayed for me before I came to faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, I know a few people in the neighborhood that would pray, I wish that Waldrop boy would get saved. He needs Jesus. <laughs> okay. But there were, there were some saints, probably some godly women, and maybe a few men, I hope, that were probably wearing their knees out. And I wish they would have come and told me, like, man, I just want you to know that, that has been our prayer. We were about ready to give up on you. You are a bad case. Hold on. Hold fast. But look at verse 8. There it is, right across the bottom. This is critical. When the Son of Man comes, will you find faith on the earth? See, this is between first and second coming that I told you. He talks about the second coming in chapter 17. And here, he says, when I come again, I will come. Am I going to find faith? What kind of faith am I going to find in you personally? What kind of faith am I going to find in the church? So here's some things I just thought that we might want to pray for, or you might write a few of these down. Who are we praying for right now? A family member to come to Christ. I hope every one of you are praying for a family member to come to Christ. Maybe 
I doubt it. That'd be awesome if everyone in here says, every single person in my family and extended family is saved, sealed, born again, filled with the Spirit, loves Jesus. And I'd go, wow. But that's probably not the case. Here's one I've, you could be praying. There's a loved one in your family or in your relationships that has cancer. Did I just hit everybody in the room? And you're praying for them fervently. This week, I got a call from somebody from 40 years ago. I graduated high school, and they said, would you go see my sister? She's dying. Hospice is there. I get those calls a lot. And I went in, and when I walked into the room, she called me by name. And she was having a good afternoon. She'd been having horrible days. And God gave us time. We read Scripture. And we prayed. And we shared life. And we celebrated Holy Communion. It, it was a rich time in Jesus. Amen? And their family's finding comfort. And this lady found comfort in Christ. It wasn't anything about me, but it was Jesus. So we pray for a loved one. How about this? How about a victory over a stubborn habit? Anybody need to pray that prayer? Like, Pastor, put me on that one. Stubborn habits. How about this one? Wisdom to make a big decision. That's probably all of us. A prodigal son or daughter that you want to see them return to the house of God. A marriage on the rocks. A deep walk of faith. Great. Here's one. Grace to forgive somebody that's hurt you. Has anybody in this room ever been hurt this week? Yeah. And you just need grace. Like, Lord, I want to I pray for that. I, I want to hold on. Or how about money to pay your bills? You ever, you ever been in a place and you didn't have the money and you didn't know how you're going to pay the bills? And you were like two steps away from foreclosure? Or well, maybe we can pray that with you. Hope for the future. Relief from discouragement. Physical healing. Boldness to share Christ. Here, I just write this word out there. Gritty determination. I love that word, gritty. God wants you and me to be gritty. He just wants us to hang in there, to embrace it, to... Uh, hang on to him, to lean into him, and to resolve that, Lord, I won't give up. I won't let go of your hand, Jesus. I trust you. You're a mighty Savior. Remember we used to sing a song around here? He's mighty to save. Do you believe he's mighty to save? I do. But you know what? I'm just like you. I get discouraged. I get defeated. I hear silence sometimes in my prayer life. I'm like, God, where are you? And then those ever-loving times come when the Lord is rich and full in my life and answers come and scriptures come to my spirit. Or somebody, the other day I called a friend. I'm walking through a situation and I called a friend. And he's wise. He loves Jesus. And I called him. I said, hey, bud. I need some help. I'm walking through a thing. I need some wisdom. I know you to be a man of God's word. I know you love my soul, and you'll tell me not what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. Speak to me. He goes, you ready? <laughs> I said, yeah. And I had my legal pad out, and I just started writing down. And man, I was grateful for that. I, I feel like it was part of God's plan for me of praying through a situation, and God gave a friend to bring encouragement. Do you have a friend like that? hope you do give up don't give up and let me share this illustration with you and i'll wrap it up and we'll go to lunch i heard a story about a guy hitchhiking up I, I thought it was a fascinating story and it's that story that everybody wants for your family for your loved one the guy's name was roger sims and he was hitchhiking his way home from uh, his tour of service and it was may the 7th and 
he had a heavy suitcase and he's sitting on the side of the road and this sleek expensive new cadillac pulled up next to him and uh, he saw this hitchhiker and he just asked him says hey uh what are you doing well i'm kind of homeless <laughs> like where are you going he said well i'd, I'd like to go home and it says, you know, I've served our, our country. He says, but I'm, I'm trying to make it home and kind of short of cash. He goes, well, that's fine. He says, uh, where are you going to? He goes, I'm going to Chicago. He goes, man, that's great. That's where I'm going. So I'd love to take you there. <laughs> so I mean, there's this guy. He's walking. He gets in a new Cadillac. I mean, his, his life's already kind of looking up. You know what I'm saying? And so the guy's riding down the road with him. He looks over at him. He goes, well, what do you do? He says, well, you know, I got a business in Chicago. He says, you're pretty successful? He goes, yeah, he says, I do okay for myself. And so they're, they're riding down the road, and they're having conversation. Trip, you know, trip's going pretty good. And so the, the, the soldier that he picks up, he's a believer, and he, he just senses that he needs to share his faith, and he needs to tell this guy about Jesus. So, so he does, and he begins to explain the way of salvation. And he goes, uh, you know, uh, man, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. I'd like to tell you about my Savior. And he says, well, would you like to do that? Would you like to receive Christ? And he says, I was ready for the guy to stop the car and push me out. He said, what he did, though, he says he, he put over to the side of the road and he bowed his head over his steering wheel and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. So the guy was just like overwhelmed, like, God, man, you answered my prayer. I prayed I would share with him. And, and this guy gave him his business card and he let him out when he got to the place. And that was the end of it. About five years later passes and this man's now married and got a little boy. And he pulls out this coat that he had on that day and the little business card falls out. And he goes, you know, like to contact that guy say how he's doing so he goes downtown chicago and he goes up to his building and he and he sees this beautiful building he walks on because i'd like to see mr hanover they go you won't be able to but you can see mrs hanover he says yeah so he goes in to see her and she starts talking says did you know my husband he says well i just gotten out of the war and said your husband picked me up and he gave me a ride to chicago one day and i just wanted to repay and I want to tell him thank you so much and how I was doing. He said, really? He says, is there anything else you want to tell me? She goes, well, he says, I'd like to tell you. He says, did y'all have any conversation? He says, we did. And he says, that day, I just want you to know, I shared Jesus Christ with your husband, and he prayed to receive Christ, and that's the last time I've ever seen him. And the woman just broke out in tears, sobbing her head. He says, what? He says, what? You, you, he, he gave his heart to Jesus? He says, what day was that? So, so it was May 7th. She goes, do you know what happened on May 7th? She says, apparently right after he let you out, an hour later, he was killed in a car accident. And I gave up on God. And for five years, I've been mad at God because he didn't save my husband. And here you are today, you're coming to tell me that my husband had placed his faith in the Savior. Isn't that a great story? And I think that's a story that God wants to repeat over and over and over, that we don't give up that we keep believing and we keep praying and we keep trusting. And we go, God, if that woman could wear out that judge, could my request just continually come before the throne of grace? And God, in that process, those reoccurring prayers, you would purify my heart and you'd do a new work. Let's pray. Jesus, it is always so good to be in your house, a place of hope and uh, a place that when we're desperate, we can find you. So, Lord, I pray this morning by faith you would make us a persistent church like a persistent widow, that we would not give up, that, God, 
We never bug you. This morning, God, there's some people that go, my prayers bug God. Banish that thought from your brain. You never bug the Heavenly Father when you talk to Him. Lord, teach us as a church, as individuals, to lay our petitions before you consistently. And we keep coming, and we keep coming. And Lord, that you send your answers in your time and in your way. You're a God to be praised. From generation to generation, we bless the name of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We need you, God. I pray today that somebody would just cry out to Jesus. If you don't have faith in the Savior, you would cry out, have mercy on me, Lord Jesus. And he'll change you where you sit. I want us to do one thing and we're going to walk out of here. Because i got to be obedient. Uh, Bethany's right there. I want some of you to gather around me, around Bethany right here. I, I love my sister in Christ. She's the executive director for First Choice. <laughs> I got it right. I didn't call it Save a Life. And we're having our annual fundraising thing that impacts literally hundreds and hundreds of women and families in central Alabama. And she works and works, and she's been praying for this successful banquet that the name of Jesus will be held up. And as her church, I want us to pray for Bethany and for the efforts on Thursday night that Christ would be exalted, not a ministry, but Jesus. Amen? Amen. And to that end, we pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for Bethany and for her hearing the call. Lord, thank you for the joy in which she does her job and as she leads so many women so well. Father, I, you have heard her in her prayer closet. We knock on the door with Bethany in Jesus' name. In faith, God, we're believing for a supernatural outpouring. We're believing for a gifting and gifts like we've never seen for this ministry, that the impact would far reach this community. God, hear us. We join her now in Jesus' name.